In 1 Corinthians chapter one, the apostle Paul writes, for Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach this gospel and not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. I wanna preach a message for you tonight called, What If the Cross Could Talk? It's a peculiar question, no doubt, but go down this road with me. If this seven to nine foot tall, five to six foot wide, 300 pound piece of wood had vocal cords, what would it communicate? Tonight, I wanna take us on a journey the story of what happened on that horrific Friday 2,000 years ago has been told from so many perspectives, so many angles. But the apostle Paul says that it's the word of the cross that the power of God has found. If you've got a version of Christianity that has proved powerless, you might need to hear from the cross tonight. If sin has started to seem inconsequential, it may be time you listen to Calvary. If your life feels meaningless, purposeless, pointless, you should turn your attention to this tree turned instrument of torture where Jesus died so that you and I could live. If the cross could talk, I think all of heaven would lean in and listen. The cross is a place of such mystery Deity, humanity colliding together in calamity. I mean, the cross had a front row seat for crying out loud. No one was closer to that massacre of a Friday than the cross of Christ. Every emotion, every movement, every insult, the cross heard, he saw, he witnessed. I wonder what would he say? I couldn't shake thinking about Helen Keller preparing for this. The ultimate picture of the voiceless getting a voice and that voice changing the world. What must it have been like when this little girl who was deaf and blind suddenly had the ability to communicate? What a rush of emotions and bottled up anticipation. What weight and intensity those first words had to have carried. I'd have to imagine that if the cross could talk, the first words out of his mouth would carry the same weight and intensity as he said, stop! What are you doing? You've got the wrong guy. You know, Romans, Chapter eight, verse 19 says that the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. It's this theological reality that all of creation has been affected by our sin. Trees bleed sap. Lions kill lambs. Pandemics plague the earth. Tiger King is a real TV show. It's the effects of sin, people. All of creation was subjected to our sin. And now all of creation is awaiting redemption. And so the cross, 
this former tree, part of creation is waiting with eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. And here comes Jesus Christ of Nazareth on that Friday afternoon. And this tree that has been waiting on the children of God becomes the cross that kills the very son of God. I have to imagine that the cross would have screamed, stop. I think sometimes what gets drowned out in all of the implications of the crucifixion is that God died. The creator subjected himself to the cross. Deity endured mortality. Think about the insanity of this scenario. On the cross, we see the creator of the tree climbing upon the tree to assume the very fate of the tree, death. If the cross could have talked, I think that it would have screamed, stop, please, don't. What are you doing? Do you know, I think if the cross could talk today, it'd say the same thing to us. Stop. Stop acknowledging Jesus with your lips and making a spectacle of him with your lives. Stop letting the chance of the crowd pull you into forgetting who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. Because I've seen this story before, I know how it goes. Stop letting the emotion get the best of you. Stop letting popular opinion sway you. Don't join the crucifixion chant. Stop. I, I, I imagine that the cross would wanna speak up every time that we're tempted. Now, I imagine that the cross would want to communicate to us every time that the seductive lies of the enemy whisper to us in the dead of night. Is it worth it? Just this one time. This is the last one. The cross would shout, stop. Christ crucified is what that sin will cost you. Is it worth it? The cross speaking is so powerful because the cross in front of you keeps sin behind you. The cross in your ear keeps sin out of your soul. This is the power of the cross is that it can cause us to contemplate whether committing that sin is worth crucifying our creator. The cross is a place of confrontation before it's ever a place of comfort. I think that the cross would want to confront our soft takes on sin I think the cross would want to confront our lax senses of holiness. Oh, it's not that bad. Oh, it's not a big deal. It's just a mistake. It's just a bad habit. You and I so greatly underestimate the holiness of Jesus and our sinfulness. We so greatly underestimate it. We sin like it's going out of style. We crack with no pressure. And in a scene that is so stressful that Jesus is sweating blood, he doesn't sin. 
Not even once. He doesn't give in at all. Doesn't give way to temptation. Not for a second. Yeah, I'd have to imagine the cross saying that that Friday, that scene, it was worse than you think, but nowhere close to why you think. The cross would be so confused by our naming of this day. Good Friday? I think he'd ask, did I not do my job? What is good about God dying? Brutal, barbaric, black, dark, bad, sure, but good, preposterous, ludicrous, insanity. You weren't there. You didn't see what I saw. You didn't feel the torture. The cross could have never known that Friday would become good because the cross never saw Sunday coming. But then again, who can blame him? He is just a cross. The cross would likely tell us that the biblical accounts of what happened on that hill are rated G. You see, crucifixion was common amongst the Romans in the first century. So detail wasn't required for the biblical accounts, but I feel certain he'd communicate the graphic nature of what happened on the cross was beyond comprehension. The insults were inconceivable. The the shouts were barbaric. To listen to the king be mocked, harassed, spit upon. The crowd was like a pack of wild dogs, howling, salivating. I think the cross would recognize that he was the perfect canvas for a torture artist. I often wonder how he would retell the story. Would he reenact the echoing vibration of nine inch nails piercing through the savior's hands and beating against the wood? Would he reenact the agonizing screams of a man gargling and drowning in his own blood? Would he try to get us to feel the shock of the human body caused by three hours in the scorching sun of the Middle East, followed by three hours shivering in the dark cold of night. If the cross could talk, he'd say that Jesus really sweat. He really bled. He really cried. What a mind-boggling dichotomy that the author of life climbs upon a dead tree, sweating, weeping, and bleeding. I think what the cross would say is that when you see me reimagined hanging around people's necks as ornate pieces of jewelry dipped in silver and gold, remember I was dipped in blood first. I hung the savior before I ever hung around your neck. But then I think he'd say that blood wasn't the worst thing that I was dipped in that day. Being covered in your sin your shame, your secrets, your lies, 
your guilt and your iniquity, your adultery and your anxiety, your greatest fears and your biggest mistakes, your anger and your rage, your addiction, it was agonizing. Jesus was squirming. It was crawling all over him. I felt it crawling on me. Do you feel it crawling on you? If the cross could talk, he would undoubtedly say, I I just know this, that the cross could talk, he would say, I am the loneliest place on earth. There were people in front of Jesus, but no one was there with Jesus. The cross would say, upon me, Jesus was forsaken by his followers. Upon me, Jesus was betrayed by his government. Upon me, Jesus was forsaken by his father. I think if the cross could speak, I think he would echo the words of Jesus in Matthew 27, 48, perhaps the most inconceivable words in all of the Bible when Jesus says, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? To hear the Savior scream, Dad, where are you? Daddy, help me. Does it have to be this way? And to hear nothing. Silence. Our sin was too severe, too serious for the father to show his face. Which brings the cross to his next point. I think the cross would address the lies of our culture. I think the cross would say, culture is a liar. You are not enough. Your sin is too big for you to ever be enough. You can keep it up with your self-help books. You can keep it up with your personal pep talks and your Slay Queen bumper stickers, but you're never gonna be enough. You're never gonna be enough to bridge the gap between you and God caused by your sin, but the cross is exactly enough to bridge the gap for you. The severity of the sacrifice of what happened on this day is an indicator of the greatness of the debt. The cross would say, I am the literal intersection of how unworthy you are and how worthy God can make you. Sin fell on Jesus so that salvation could fall on us. I think the cross would say that Jesus' father had to let him die all alone that day so that you and I would never be all alone again. And you know, I think the cross would probably call out our folly It's interesting that the apostle Paul, he says that the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but for those who are being saved, it's the power of God. And I think the cross would speak to all the skeptics and all the cynics, those who think that all of this is foolish, childish, ridiculous. I think he'd ask if you know that your day is coming too. I think the cross would say, hey, I don't mean to be rude, but... Wake up and smell the coronavirus or SARS 
or bird flu or the next pandemic or the next time you get in a car in a month when we've all forgotten how to drive. Good luck out there. Look, you are going to die. I think the cross would say, hey, it happened to the creator. It's gonna happen to you. Are you ready? Sorry, stupid question. I'm a cross. I'm still getting this question asking thing out. You're never ready. People who don't know God are never ready. I think the cross would challenge our ethics and question our shallow sentiments and dare to ask us what no one else will. Are you prepared to die? Does, does this feel dark? Does this feel heavy? Great. I'm trying to get this day renamed. Dark Friday, heavy Friday, unforgettable Friday, unavoidable Friday. Hear me say this. Salvation is not the result of reason, but the gift of revelation. I know that I can't convince any of you of any of this. You, you may still have doubts. You may still have questions, but some of you know deep down in your souls that you can't shake the emotion rising within you that this may be real. This may be true that God may have died for humanity. I think the cross would say that the time is now. I think the cross would tell you the story of that Friday where there was a convict who was hanging on a very similar cross right next to Jesus. And this known felon, this known convict turns to Jesus and acknowledges Jesus' innocence and then asks Jesus to remember him when he comes into his kingdom. And Jesus says to that man, today you will be with me in paradise. You know, if the cross had a chance to speak just one statement, if there was just one sentence that the cross got to get out, I'm completely convinced that he would echo the words of Jesus. In John 19, 30, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. It's so interesting to me. I bet the cross found it interesting too that the last messianic prophecy that Jesus fulfills is this one. Surely this statement, it is finished, was about Jesus' fulfillment of the prophecy in Psalm 69, 21, where the Messiah was to drink sour wine. Yes, but I think even more, it was about him finishing every last drop from the cup of God's wrath so that you and I would never drink a sip of it. I think it was about him finishing his statement to the world. I think it was about him closing his case. When Jesus finishes the cross, he shuts the mouth of every critic of God's love. It is finished. God is love. That's what's finished. If you had any lingering doubts about God's love for you, look to me. Any insecurity about his devotion to you, look right here. He paid for what you can never afford. It is finished. Your guilt is reconciled. He closed the case for your innocence. 
You deserved hell and grave, the devil. You were supposed to climb up upon me is what the cross would say. I was supposed to be the instrument of torture who gave you what you deserved. But Jesus drank every last drop of it so that you don't have to. God had to treat Jesus like a sinner so that he could treat we sinners like Jesus. It is finished tonight. The case is closed. God is Love, the sacrifice has been finished. Your sin is finished. I want you to know that striving, trying, earning, working, it's finished. Searching, looking desperately for love, it's finished. You fill in the blank. It is finished. God is love. If the cross could talk, what would you say in response tonight? Would you avoid it? Suppress it, swipe it away, or would you receive it? There are some people who I know are watching this right now who've tuned into Facebook Live or church online and a link was shared. Someone invited you to watch this and you didn't know why, but now you know that this is what you've been looking for. This is what you've been desperate for and you're finished. You're done searching you found what you're looking for in the person of Jesus, that the cross, its word is power, its word is love, its word is God is here, and God is alive, that God is real and that God is for you. The insanity of this story is that it's a gift. It's something you receive. That's partially why it feels so foolish to so many, like such folly, Jesus paid for your redemption. And what he wants tonight is a relationship with you. And if you want that tonight, forgiveness of sin, a relationship with God, eternal life, I'm gonna invite you to pray this with me. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I just invite you to pray. Jesus, I hear the cross speaking tonight and I want to respond. My sin is unfathomable, but your goodness is unimaginable. I am so grateful that you would love me enough to die for me. I've looked my whole life for a love like this. And I believe that I have found it tonight. I am finished searching because you have finished proving your love for me. Jesus, I want to surrender my life to you. I want to make you Lord of my life. I want to declare you to be God of the universe. I give you my heart. I give you my soul. I follow you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you pray that prayer, if the cross became real to you tonight for the very first time, I'm gonna invite you to do something. Jesus took a bold step by climbing up upon that cross for you. And I'm gonna ask you to do something bold right where you are in your living room or in your kitchen or in your car, wherever you may be watching this service. I'm gonna count to three. And then I'm gonna invite you to just raise your hand as a declaration, as a sign of surrender, as a sign of celebration that you're receiving life because Jesus died. One, two, three. Amen. 
Amen. Praise God. I believe that hands are being raised all over our country right now, maybe all over the world right now, receiving the gift of salvation. If you raise your hand, I'm gonna encourage you, drop a hand raised in the comment section and somebody from our team would love to follow up with you. The cross is the ultimate place of convergence. God's grace and justice, his mercy, our mortality, sin and salvation, God and man, light and darkness, heaven and Eden wrapped up in an afternoon. The cross knows that this narrative started with a tree in a garden called Eden. And it ends with Jesus on a tree, then placed inside a grave in a garden. What if the grave could talk? What would he say? Tune in on Easter to find out.